is difficult working from home sometimes more difficult than people think it is especially when the cat constantly do you know what i'm gonna move this cat and, and try and i'm just give me two minutes i'm gonna try and get her settled over here i'm gonna turn a heat lamp on and see if she'll uh, settle hang on right come on you little shit this is episode number 31 of the let's talk retouching podcast the show in which we talk all about retouching and post-production. In this podcast, we take a deep dive into common retouching techniques, best practices, and have you peek behind the scenes of the image-making process. The show is brought to you by our high-end retouching studio, Boutique Retouching, and the online educational platform, learnpostproduction.com. My name is Daniel, I am your host and founder CEO of Boutique Retouching. Before we get started with today's episode though, producing such a podcast takes quite some time and dedication. If you appreciate what we are doing here, if you enjoy listening to the show, if you get some value out of it, I'd be happy to know you hit that subscribe button in whichever podcasting app you are using and for you to become a long-term listener to the show. In today's episode, we will be continuing our conversation with Daniel Meadows and we will get into a lot of industry insights. So please enjoy this conversation. Of course, during such times as we all go through now, we can just start. So I hope everyone is at home, isolating themselves, not getting sick. And I hope this podcast can at least make your time, your self-isolating time, a little bit more pleasant to go through. On the other hand, I know we as retouchers usually practice social distancing a lot. I also want to invite you to join our Facebook group so we can start discussions online um, because we all live all over the world and can't see each other. So let's go through this together and make the best out of it together. I really hope or I know already this podcast episode is going to be packed with a lot of information. We will be talking about insights that people outside of the retouching industry usually don't get and if you're new you're probably going to like this episode another note um daniel and i both have cats and they can be disruptive to a podcast recording so when sitting down to edit this podcast, it was pretty much impossible for me to get rid of all the distractions. But on the other hand, we as cat owners, we we are used to having our cats around and being uh, very selfish. So uh, sorry for that. And yeah, we just roll with it. And should you stick around until the end of the podcast episode, I will put a little reel of cat interruptions which did not make it into the podcast at the end of the episode so maybe you can enjoy that as well because we had quite a good laugh and now let's jump back into the conversation if you have not listened to the previous episode i highly recommend going to the previous episode so you get a better overview of what we've been talking about before but oh soon we have april 1st again so i have to do another video so last year i did dodge and burn 2.0 video course oh i missed that 
I wish I would have seen that. That's great. Wait, it's still online. You can still get it. I need to go and see that Dungeon Burn 2.0. Incredible. That is amazing. Yeah, I did like one day before April 1st, I put a video on YouTube, like a trailer video. It's like, oh, now we right. have this magical technique. And I kept it all secret for like 10 years. And uh, <laughs> now Dodge and Burn 2.0 and it will change your life forever and stuff like this. And oh, then I put a video course that you can still download from my website. Oh, I need to do that. I need to learn it. I don't know how many hundred dollars it's discounted to zero and stuff like this. And then I had people like asking like, hey, it, it, it doesn't really work and stuff like that. Yeah, what do you expect? Amazing. I need to, I need to learn your, your amazing Dodge and Mercy by <laughs> oh, Incredible. So it's an extra tutorial people are downloading, right? Right. And they're watching it and I explain how I use my, I'm actually not explaining anything. So I just say, oh, you create these hub layers and stuff like this. And then you paint over the image. And it's done. Did you just slide a retouch shot underneath? Yeah. And then I painted it and it was like, but <laughs> <laughs> And people Amazing. are like, hey, I'm Amazing. trying this for like two hours. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's like, um, that was the point of the whole videos, like to not buy rubbish <sighs> off of companies who are selling yes. you crap. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of that. But I still find it funny. Dude, I missed that completely. I need to go I was, and find that. You, you can still get it on the website. On. So it's it's in my store. Okay. I'll for right. I'll find zero it. dollar discount, oh. special price. For yeah. the bargain price. Bargain price. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, we've talked a bunch about like how the industry goes and how it is for working from home and how retouching has been back then. Crappy techniques, good techniques. Yep. Now... <laughs> Let's get a little bit more practical. So what are the tools that enable you to do your retouching magic? So what's on your desk? What are you actually using? Tablets, computer, and all that stuff that you like okay. using. Let me see. I am looking at, I'm currently uh, in front of my iMac 5K, the 5K resolution, 28 inch. How's that to retouch on a 5K like oh. display? I have just a 2K monitor, so just curious. Right, no, it's it's great. It's um, I I think you can fit. It's it's difficult to explain, but you you can fit more of the image at 100% on the screen and still have every pixel represented. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and your 2K monitor, you would be zoomed in. For, it would appear zoomed in further. Yeah. Uh, if you're at 100%, then on my monitor, mine appears zoomed out farther when it's at 100%, but every pixel is still represented. So it's, you know, it's it's good. There's a, there's a lot of, there's actually more, there's an argument for a lower resolution monitor, and that is that in print, you are never going to see as much detail as you see on this 5K monitor I've got right here. So I am probably fixing things that might not necessarily need fixing, strictly speaking. So I have heard that said. I think all of that comes with a learning curve. Every time you, yeah. you change a device, you have to relearn a little bit oh, on yeah. how you Absolutely. approach images. Um, yeah. And I find it the same if I, if I use my 16-inch uh, Cintiq, I retouch yeah. completely differently and I have to keep that in mind 
while retouching that I'm not on my monitor and it's just yeah. behaves differently. Yeah. Well, I've never used a, a Cintiq. I've, I've always been intrigued by them, but I've, I've, never, um, I've never gone ahead and got one. I'm still using um, Intuos Pro, the medium size. I actually have a, a large one somewhere, but I don't like it. Um, yeah, I, have I, to use a medium. I find for for drawing the the big ones, they might be super fine. But I find yeah, I believe that artists, traditional yeah. like hand drawing artists, seem to really love the large ones. But I just I, I can't I can't handle them at all. It's just too much arm movement. I'd rather do small little little movement. The medium's just perfect. Yeah, it's the me. same for for me. I always tell like go with a small one, and even then, I find myself having the area map down. So I don't have to lift my yeah. arm and because yeah. ergonomics is like you're sitting there and you're making tiny movements all the time. And you just don't want to lift your arm and get fatigue yep. in your shoulder. And Yeah, that's, that's, that's me. I've got in. But it's different when, when, you're draw, when you're actually using an, a device that you're painting on that completely changes. I imagine it does. Yeah. I, I have used one. There was um, a studio that I was working at once who the head of the studio said, you know, just, you know, try it. So, you know, I did, but it was only for a couple of minutes of just kind of moving things around and making a yeah. couple of alterations in Photoshop. It, it feels, you know, it's it, maybe I'll get one eventually. I don't know. I've just never, um, it, it, it's never drawn me in. Um, can I hear that cat again? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to move her outside, but then a car yeah. just came in and I was like, oh, it's not oh. going to happen. Maybe I'm trying. If she, I'm trying it now before we continue. Because okay. that is not going to stop. So, yeah, you're, but you're still calibrating your, your monitor. Yes, but not as, not as often as I should off the record. I forget for months. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> It's fine. I, I I print off proofs and I check on other screens. I check on my laptop. I check on my cell phone. If you're not like in a proof station where you have your monitor and your print right next to it, it does not matter. Oh, exactly. You've got your hood and you've got, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've had this no. discussion just recently where people are saying like, oh, you can't use soft proofing if you're not having like for, for sending it out to a, a printer company. Can't use soft proofing if you do not have a high quality calibrated monitor. And I was like, it doesn't matter Whoa. because all the changes, everything is still going to be just on your device. So you load your your, your ICC profile for uh, yep. or ICM profile for uh, soft proofing and that is going to go through the color table of your graphics card and if that is corrected or not it's not going to change anything because all the colors are going to be relative exactly yeah if, if you're sitting there with the, the best thing you can do is um the agencies that i work at like you've just said you get your hard proof in your hand you sit there in front of your hooded monitor and you go right okay is this color right? Is this contrast right? And you make your changes, not yeah. based on what you see on the screen, right. but you make those changes based on what you see on the paper. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way to do it. I mean, it depends so much on the materials. That's why I have a computer, like a RIP, processing that. And then they go in and it's like, oh, this color value, and they call it spot color replacement in the RIP software. So they go in and it's like, this one color value, change that in the color table to this other value because that is not exact. Yeah. And you test this like 20 times until you end up in the right spot yeah, for yeah, that medium. Yeah. 
and then you print on something else and it, the whole process starts again. We talked about yeah, like monitor calibration. It is important. Um, we all have to do it. It is. It is. I, sh I should calibrate a little more often than I do, but... Um, well, you, you can always do it somewhere and later <laughs> down the line. Yeah. <laughs> or before an important job. Uh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're working on your iMac, which is then obviously also your computer, not just your monitor. Mm -hmm. You are using Wacom devices, Wacom tablets. Yes. These yes, small the, ones. Uh, Intuos Pro Medium. Oh, Medium. Okay. Yes, the, the mediums there. The, uh, just the, the most comfortable ergonomically yeah. for me. And then we've briefly touched the topic of ergonomics on your desk. So is there anything else that you have to work on or that makes your life easier in terms of retouching work? Um, I have a bowl of pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, honestly, I keep it quite spartan. I've got my uh, iMac, and as you say, that's my computer and monitor in one. I've got my Intuos Pro. I keep the mouse nearby just for scrolling and the small Apple keyboard just for um, shortcut commands and, and, and that's super important. Everybody needs to learn shortcuts. Oh, yeah. If you are still going into menus um, to drop down, uh, you know, adjustments or file functions, whatever it is you're trying to get from the top bar, if there is a function for it, it will give you the letters at the side of the name of the tool. Yeah, or you can reassign it, especially if you need Gaussian Blur all the time, you might use something you like- You can assign a key to it. Yeah, yeah Shift, yeah. Alt, and G or something, or- Yeah, something you might not otherwise use, but you you should definitely, everybody needs to be using uh, the key command. Gaussian Blur. It, <laughs> Gaussian Blur, just instantly, Gaussian Blur, frequency separation 2.0. Job done. Boom. Don't even need actions. You just need keyboard shortcuts. Boom. That's your beauty retouch done in, in five minutes. You're ready to go. You're ready for the big league. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, what I use is um, I use something like a, a gaming keypad for my left hand, and I mapped all my keyboard shortcuts to that. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. You get a more comfortable resting position for your hand. Well, what I did is I put the... the uh, keys I use most often into my resting position. So like, you know, when you when, when you're gaming and doing ego shooters, you use usually, WASD. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's like a natural resting position for your hand. And you put like um, your brush bigger and smaller and your, um, yeah, the most important tool is so you can reach them. And the, the, the ones I use less, they are further out so i have to reach my fingers out somewhere and and do that but you end up not knowing actually what what buttons you are pushing so yeah i um the, the problem with that is you get to somebody else's workstation yeah. where you don't have your own settings you don't have your own keyboard and it's just everything's alien i've always kept to the like, pretty close to the default so i've got a set of actions that I like to use, but other than that, I I pretty much stick to uh, stick to all the default key commands. Yeah. I see, and I back then when they came up with the Creative Cloud, they had this wonderful feature that you could save all your keyboard shortcuts in the cloud, and then they got rid of it, and I was like, oh, and just install it fresh and can download it, and I was like, oh, now I have to do all my mappings again. I remember, yeah, I do remember that. 
so you have your computer and stuff. How do you actually start retouching? So you end up getting some files. So how does it work for you? How do you start your process of retouching? All the software you're using? Well, if I get the raw file, it goes through Capture One. I've always found something about the way Capture One renders a file just by its its default settings when you open it straight up. It always renders a default file in a way that's more pleasing to me than Lightroom does. I can't quantify it, I can't explain it exactly, but there's something about the quality of the colors and the color contrast in a Capture One file that I prefer over what Lightroom does with a RAW file and over what Adobe Camera Raw does with um, with a raw file, so I I would recommend Capture One. I know you can. Uh, I think you can get a trial, a free trial. Yeah, you can. So it's you know it's it's worth if you can get a free trial. It's it's worth at least trying it. Um, if you use Lightroom right now, or if you're using um, Adobe Capture, I mean uh, Adobe Camera Raw. If you are using, if you have Photoshop CC, I'm presuming it all, does it always come with Lightroom? Um, no, I think they're bundled together as a photographer. Or can you get Photoshop alone? Yeah, usually you people get the bundle because like buying both applications would be much more expensive than yeah, getting the bundle. Yeah. So I'm presuming most people have Lightroom if they're going to be, I know I have it, I just don't open it very often, but I'm presuming <laughs> most people have uh, have Lightroom. Um, but it's the thing, like as if, a retoucher, you usually work project-based and you do not lead a library that you browse through, so... Yeah, exactly. If you get an editorial, you might be dealing with like, what, like six to 12 shots. You're not going to be dealing with the kind of libraries that... Uh, that 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 Lightroom or I never opened Bridge either. I know I don't think I, I can't remember the last time I opened Bridge yeah. for that exact reason. But they made changes. But, so Bridge used to be super slow, and with the last update or one of the more recent updates, it's gotten less sluggish. Yeah, yeah. I might open, I might give it a try. I might give it have a look at that. But Capture One is is the first place I always go to. And then I move that across to when I'm happy with my conversion or conversions. Sometimes if I want to get some extra dynamic range from highlights, shadows, whatever, I'll, I'll move those conversions over into Photoshop. And that's yeah. when I'll start actually, uh, actually retouching. Yeah. And are you working with Photoshop files or do you prefer working off of TIFF files? PSDs usually, but TIFF, you're not going to encounter a huge difference, really. No. I used to prefer because a few versions before current Capture One, they could not display preview images from the Photoshop files. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I was using the Capture One as my uh, main starting point from the workflow. So every time I went into the project, I was like... Um, did I finish this image? Did I work on it and stuff like this? Uh, so I went over yeah, to... Yeah, to so work in TIFF. Well, I think TIFF you can save if they're over two gig, can't you? Whereas a PSD... Yeah, four gigabytes. Yeah, PSD you can't. You have to move up yeah. to a PSD file. But it's file. like with, with the bigger files now, with the 100 megabits of files, there is oh, no yeah. way to instantly create a PSB file. And that's annoying me like crazy. Always have to yeah. save a PSD file and then you have to save a separate file and later save on. That. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have some problems because I've just bought myself a 5DSR, oh. the Canon 5DSR See? 50 megapixel. So that's, um, 
that's slowing Capture One down a little bit. I think I may have to upgrade because my iMac at the moment is the um, late 2014. So I think I've got another year out of it. It's it's been a trooper. It's it's worked well for me. But I think it's it's getting to the time where I might need to upgrade later in the year. I mean, yeah, eventually is. But also, I mean, in terms of hardware, like Photoshop is not super capable of making use of many processor cores and stuff like this. So I hope that not they're true. putting more work into that in the future. It only started really using the GPU to its full potential about... Yeah. It was only a few versions ago. It wasn't very long ago. It was like... It was when they introduced, you know, the pan scroll. Yeah. Where they, and it was like, suddenly we're, we're starting to use the uh, the GPU properly now. It's like, oh, good. Thanks. Thanks. Good job. If you're ever wondering why you are working with like a 20 megapixel file and you're moving your images and it's like stuttering completely, go into your settings and enable mm. the OpenGL and all the, um, yes. the graphics engine. Yep. 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 Because Adobe Photoshop by default doesn't um, doesn't use your graphics card to its full potential. Yeah, it changes sometimes. It's like you update and then it's like reset. Oh. Yeah, and then you've just got this clunky kind of. You try and drag something and it's just like hitting a brick wall. Thud, thud. It's like okay, I need to turn the OpenGL back on. So this is not the end of the podcast, but we had a break either because of one of the cats was super annoying or we had some uh, more private discussion going on. But then we led into the next topic. But to get you a better reference, what we were talking about was image processing, which raw converters we were using. So that's where we will be starting again. Uh, software we're using capture one adobe raw converter and stuff so now let's jump back into the conversation yeah that makes sense i uh i, I got 11 um that was my f the first capture one 11 was the first capture one i owned i think i, I tried the trial for 10 um, but i own 12 now so i'm relatively new to it but i was never um i was never a photographer um i i was just um i'm still on 10 okay 10 was 10 was good there's there, there, there haven't been major changes have no there? it's just like some fuji and oh yeah the, the camera yeah. compatibilities so. the luminosity masking in um in 12 is good it is quite good But imagine, I mean, if you do luminosity masking in Photoshop, you're doing it with a flat file, yeah. whereas if you're doing it directly in the RAW, you're getting a lot more yeah. detail out of there. It's a really good addition, really good. Yeah, but I think most of it you can kind of do in Photoshop, but for me, is when you're working for clients, you try to export the, the RAW file as basic as possible. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You get more flexibility out of staying in Photoshop than going back to the RAW file because I had it once one job I did where I had to reprocess all my raw files again and one time I was working on an editorial and then mm. uh, we had some miscommunication and he was traveling and stuff like this and I keep working on it and after I have had finished all the um, the images he wanted me to make changes and changes and changes and at some point oh, I was like I've been there We've all been it there. It seems like I have to reprocess all the images and redo all the retouching work again. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that yeah. for like 25 images in like one day. I'm just not. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes more sense. I'm thinking more in terms of if it's your own photography and it's your own work and yeah. you're confident in your raw conversion. Um, but if you're a retoucher with somebody else's file and you've got to make conversions from the raw, then absolutely, it's it's best to just say, if you're not given a... Re it's, I mean, I always ask for a reference. Yeah. I just, you know, I want to know Wait, where But you the, also know like um, how references work. People send you five reference images and like... They all look differently to me. What is the one thing that a client sees in all the images that is supposed to be the same? Completely different. Yeah, I've yeah, I've I've had some really bad examples of that. Really bad, where the the differences between these photographs, they were like studio yeah. shots and so, some outside in yeah. one locale, some in another locale with completely different grading types. And it's like this is the theme that I. This is your reference. I was just like I. I'm gonna need more. Or you get outside shots, and some of them are shot in open shade. The others are like completely backlit. Some have purple in the shadows. <laughs> others they don't. And yep. you're like, yep. yeah, what is it? What are you seeing? Yeah. What are you What are you seeing here? Yeah, I've been there. I think we've 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 all been yeah. there. And anybody who's listening who wants to get into retouching, you'll be there too. Believe oh, yeah. me, you will be looking at a, a bunch of references. <laughs> so it seems we have to we have to keep this in there. So yeah, the struggle is real. And it is, <laughs> and that usually client communication is the most difficult thing usually yeah. to to deal with. If you have your retouching down, client communication is still something new every time. But you get those great photographers who you just kind of you 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 vibe with. You know yeah. what they want. They trust you. They know that you know what's in their head, and you just kind of you work together. And um, I'm gonna have to move this cat. Jesus. <laughs> And you, you know, you work together and everything just works out, you know, yeah. everything looks great. Or or if if you happen to come to a circumstance where a photographer that used to retouch her or his own work says like, oh, I don't have the time and I'm looking for a retoucher and I or they trust a retoucher saying, I'm confident in you that you can do stuff that I usually do and because it's not easy for yeah. them to let go of of what they used to do. I know it won't be for me. Um, since I moved away from Manchester, England to Savannah, Georgia, where there are no major cities around here, I've got some of my older clients that I do retouch work for, but I'm going to have to kind of broaden and diversify what I do. Um, my father was a photographer. I've been around photographers all my life, uh, professionally and 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 at home. So I, I guess moving into photography for me is 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 kind of a natural kind of progression, and it's what I have to do here because um, there just there's there aren't enough agencies in the town that I'm in. But I um, oh, I was going to make a point. What was my point? <laughs> it's because of the cat you had this this point in your mind yeah and then the cat came and ruined it all i'm talking on autopilot and stroking the cat at the same time so that she doesn't talk and then i realized i was i was getting around to a point that i was shooting yeah. my own work and there was there was a really good point that i was about to make and i don't know what it was god damn it cat But it's hard to let go when you used to retouch your work and to outsource to to another person. Oh yeah, that's where I was going. See, because my cat is outside, I now can pay attention. You can, yeah. I, I think it's going to be. I think because I'm, 
shooting a lot more of my own work now, it's going to be very, 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 very difficult for me to let go of my files and give them to another retoucher. And I'm getting to the point now where I need to shoot more and retouch less. And I'm going to have to put my work out there for somebody else to retouch. So that is going to be, for me, having been a professional retoucher for the last like, 10, 12 years, it's, it's that's going to be tough. Yeah. That's going to be really tough. I think it's much easier for photographers who don't know anything about retouching saying, okay, I'm just going to go and give yeah. it a retoucher. But if you have, especially if you have like some, there are some people who retouch their own work. They have this specific look they may be known for and they're just doing this one thing and then they need to outsource because they need to shoot more. And yeah. then they're just like, yeah. okay, what am I going to do now? And who's, who's able to do that because they... Who's good enough? Yeah. Who, who's good enough and who's affordable? Yeah. Usually it comes down to like, they might be a handful of people who can do exactly the same and have it look exactly the same. But usually they are more on the expensive side. Oh, they're going to be more expensive. Right? Yeah. And if you're just testing, I mean, that's great if you're shooting for a client. Yeah. But if I want to I want to start paying a retoucher to handle my test work so that's i'm not looking forward to it. my wallet is crying just <laughs> thinking about it <laughs> but I, i can't send it to someone bad yeah i can't i'm not going to save a few dollars by i mean i've also seen it you you make tests with retouchers and then you, some people who are not conscious about it i mean you are because you know how mm. how that thing works they might have a portfolio that isn't cohesive because all the images look differently because they work with a hundred retouchers or something. Yeah. So that's the difference between good professional retouchers and some retouchers that have their own style and do not want to move from that style. So, Oh, you have to adapt. You've, if, if you're a retoucher, I mean, you might be a great retoucher. You might have a fantastic style, but you have to be able to walk into a building somewhere. You have to be able to walk into an agency. And if they say, right, we want it done this way, you have to be able to do it. You have to just put your, your pride and your ego and your artistic creative side to one side and just do the job. And that's because you couldn't work for such a photographer who has these expectations to have mm. a cohesive portfolio and have cohesive or not, not only the portfolio, but all their work they're shooting commercially. Yeah. When they outsource, they want it to a certain standard and want that certain look, maybe. So you have to be able to do that or you're not a candidate for that job. So Exactly. And you have to be able to emulate sometimes as well. I've um, I've had a number of jobs where somebody, a client of mine, has said, Okay, I've got this I've got these shots. I want them to look like these shots from this photographer or these shots that have been done by this retoucher. So, yeah, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Just side by side, two up vertical in Photoshop and uh, and just uh, move some curves. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's, you've got to be able to adapt to whatever it is your client is asking you to do yeah. always. You, you can't be pig headed and stubborn about your no. style. I mean, if you only can do that one thing, it might get you some clients, but there's no chance someone is coming to you where you develop a style for them for like one yeah. campaign that has to be that style where you are hired yes. as some part of the creative team right it's yeah. not gonna happen if you just can do that one thing so nope 
Got to be adaptable. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's less of a bad thing as a photographer. I think having a style that stands out and some work that looks like it belongs to you is, is more of a good thing if you're a photographer. If you're a retoucher, yeah. you've just got to wear yeah. many different hats. Yeah. Many hats. You've got to be able to change. You've got to be able to adapt to whatever it is you're being sent. Because the artist really is, you, you are there to make the photographer look good. Yeah. You're never going to be credited, or you're rarely ever going to be credited. You'll see the makeup artists and the stylists and the people who design the clothes. Yeah. Everybody's going to be credited. You are never going to be credited. That's true. <laughs> it's just That's never also going to happen. That's also one reason why, why people see so little work of professional retouchers, because usually you don't yeah. tell or you're not supposed to tell or whatever it is. You don't yeah. know who they are. You don't know which agency it is. You don't know which individual it is. You, you, you never, you're never going to know who it is. Yeah. So you, you have to be, your job as a retoucher is just make the photographer look good and get paid and just kind of tell your mum that you did it <laughs> you know, because nobody else is going to know. Nobody else is going to care. Tell your wife. Yeah, true. Yeah, tell your mom and your cat that you've done it. And your cat, yeah. And they're the only people who are going to appreciate it. Yeah. That's actually a good way to end the podcast. Make the photographer look good. Yeah. Make the photographer look good. That is your job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Wonderful speaking to you. Oh, it was. I mean, we could go forever. We have to stop. We could, but I think I think the cat's going to shout at me again. Oh, Yeah. Uh, so uh, Bastet says Bastet the cat says hi to everyone listening she's 20 next month so please do send send your best wishes for a, a happy cat birthday okay before we go where can people find you so we have Daniel Meadows photography where you will put your work on pretty soon yes on the website danielmeadowsphotography.com Daniel Meadows photography is my at handle on instagram and i'm also daniel meadows retoucher on facebook and i have a small retouching group that i run on there as well so i haven't yet changed the name of daniel meadows retoucher but i'm in a bit of a transition period it might turn into photographer we'll see how it goes There's nothing wrong with that and getting to praise and getting credit and stuff and actually getting credits yeah, yeah. that'll be that'll be incredible <laughs> that's gonna be uh, like a revelatory for me that's uh i'm looking forward to that eventually yeah. you can say like hey mom or cat i did this and you can see my name <laughs> yeah. right there there is proof my name is printed there you can see it okay anyways <laughs> so we definitely i think we definitely have to continue in this conversation at some other point get you back i would love to Yes, I would absolutely love to. It really was a pleasure. I hope that came across as well. Oh, yes. So I wish you good luck with the new website, which is going to launch, hopefully, before I get the podcast before out. Before the podcast. Yeah, definitely, before the, yes, definitely. definitely before I'm the podcast. pretty slow yeah. with editing. So, yeah, it's going to take me a while. <laughs> okay. And have you back? There was the cat. Okay, we have to say there bye. There was the cat. <laughs> See you again. See you again. Thanks for coming on. Oh. You're very, very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Speak soon. Yeah, it's been. See you soon. Bastet says goodbye. The cat says goodbye too. Bastet, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. <laughs>
And that's been it. Episode number 31 of the Let's Talk Retouching Podcast is a wrap. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been a little bit difficult uh, throughout this episode because we had so many breaks and so many interruptions by cats, but I hope you enjoyed that as well. So this episode was a little bit different because of all the interruptions, but I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and visit our website. I also hope you are going to be safe at home. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I talk to you in the next episode. Obviously, you have to find the right clients. You have to be. You have to be quite. Um, Give me a minute. I'm just gonna throw it out. So <laughs> that cat. Just a second. <laughs> okay. I was at a point there where I was just like, do you know what? I'm. Oh, the cat. Just <laughs> now it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. Hi, cat. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll give you some food in a minute. But I suspected that he. Um, he. I know. I know. Same I, story over there. Yeah, so. I know. I know. And, you know, I, I, I know I said it's not, you know, it is difficult working from home sometimes, more difficult than people think it is. Especially when a cat constantly... Do you know what? I'm going to move this cat and, and try and... I'm just Give me two minutes. I'm going to try and get her settled over here. I'm going to turn a heat lamp on and see if she'll uh, settle. Hang on. Yeah. Right. Come on, you little shit. So where were we? Um, cats and... Um, well, I forgot. <laughs> Actually. Me too. Okay, problem solved. The cat is outside. Excellent. Right. <laughs> she doesn't want to, but she has to. <clears throat> yeah. I, I no, have a visitor. Now it's your cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know what to do. I can't. I can't give her more food. I, I'm gonna have to move this cat. I'm gonna <laughs> be right back. Okay. Come. On.